Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Florida Podcast. I'm your host, Amadeo Gracia, along with my partner, Chris Mayer. The Flyers force Game 6 with an overtime win over the New York Islanders last night. In overtime, Scott Lawton gets the gold to seal the deal. The Flyers move on to Game 6. So, it's they blew a lead. We, we understand this. But, honestly, it's not the ideal way to win, but you still won the game. You get it to Game 6. Now you take it one day at a time. Scary little situation right now with Sean Couture. We don't know if he's playing Thursday or not. The whole situation with that hit on Barzell. Is it a knee situation again? It's that same right knee that Radko Gudis hit in practice that tore his MCL. So we got a little bit of a scary situation right there. Claude Giroux, James Van Riemsdyk, Matt Niskanen, they finally get on the board. So hopefully that can spark something for those guys going into game six. And the Flyers, like we said, one game at a time, and now you got a game six. Got to focus on that and try to force a game seven. So, Chris, we blow another lead, and then it's just you. Like, did you feel as I would say frustrated as the game two blown lead, or did you were you more comfortable knowing that the Flyers can possibly pull this off if it went to overtime? I honestly, I wasn't like like to me. I, I wasn't like mad like i like yeah i know i shouldn't say that like all right i guess i could rephrase that i wasn't like obviously i wasn't happy but it was just like i had this feeling i was like they're still gonna win this game like i I just had the feeling like okay i just i just had the feeling that they were gonna win in overtime and they did um i think the one thing is is that you probably don't want to continuously keep putting yourself in that situation you definitely want to have a consistent effort but honestly that was their best consistent consistent effort of the series. I mean, they played a whole, they played literally like fifty five minutes of this game. Yeah, basically, honestly, this was their best, like you said, best effort the entire series yeah. besides that final five. It like yeah, I mean yes, the Islanders had their chances in the zone where obviously they're circling around and things like that, but it's not like you know it was this big period where they were getting absolutely dominated and killed. You know, it was really the third period. Where, you know, the Flyers probably in the last, like, 10 minutes, I should say, like, last, like, 10, 7 minutes of that period where we're just hemmed in their zone. And that's probably where the 55, 52-minute range of them playing came in. And, you know, you don't want to do that because, you know, it's one thing to sit back and it's another to sit back and just turn the puck over. Like, yeah, okay, I don't mind them sitting back and playing like that. That's okay. That's what most teams do. And to be honest with you, I wasn't. I'm not really like annoyed that they were sitting back because they they do it all the time, and I'm. I, I guess we're just kind of. I'm just kind of used to it by now. But if anything, it's just like I was more fine with it. Like I'm more. I'm. I'm honestly okay with it because if they're able to just get out there, get the red line, and get it deep, and change, and you know have quick shifts for the rest of the game, and they end up winning, I'm okay with it. But it's when you start doing the stupid stuff in your own zone, you turn the puck over, you can't make a, a simple, you know, three-foot pass just to get it over the red line. And it's just one of them, you know, things where it's like, come on, guys. Like, they they really could have, like, freshened it up a little bit. Um, and obviously it hurt them. I mean, I don't understand why AV keeps putting out the fourth line with the third defensive pairing because it's not working. And I'm not really sure why he keeps doing it. Um, I know I know there's a lot of people who were really, you know, you know, having this big old thing with him about why Thompson had around the same minutes of Giroux at one point. Um, and one thing you also have to think of is that your number one center was out for pretty much half of this game. Um, 
so right there, it's like, you know, they're, I mean, and one thing is too, is that Thompson is one of your best face-off men. So he's, and he actually is their best face-off men percentage-wise on taking face-off. So that's another thing. It's like, it seems like a lot of people just hate on him to hate on him. And it's honestly kind of annoying because it's just like, I love Thompson. I think he's really good. Do I want him out there in certain situations? Probably not. I'd rather have your top line guys out there with a, you know, after you just give up a goal in the last three and a half minutes of that game, you probably don't want your fourth line and your third defensive pairing out there. Now, regardless, it was horrible coverage and it was, and you know, people who want to blame Hart for that. Okay. I can see it, but even still, a lot of things were wrong with that play regardless. So again, I don't even think they really had the right guys on the ice for that as well. So it's just one of them things where I'm honestly, to me, it just seems like everybody, when they lose, they just want to pinpoint certain things and pick on certain guys when really it's a whole team effort at times. And, you know, one play could be one guy's fault, but really, if you look at it in a whole, it could be three or four guys fault or even the coach's fault. So that's one thing that's kind of, you know, getting on my nerves a little bit, to be honest with you, um, because it just seems like that everybody just wants to pinpoint it at each guy. And when really, it's not really his fault because again, it's just certain things like that, but um, again, I, I thought they played a pretty, I think it was really one of their most consistent efforts uh, compared with game four as well. And what I think one thing is too, is that the last two games are really trending in the right way in their favor, just like what Elaine Vigneault said as well. Um, so again, hopefully they can continue that going into uh, game six here. And that, and talking about that too, I was like, um, I feel like that the way the Flyers have been playing, especially what you're talking about, Chris, right there, it just like, they're forcing more turnovers. They're playing a more consistent effort. Maybe the Flyers are due for this one game where they just, I would say, flat out dominate the entire thing. Yeah. Maybe they have a game where they score goals at will and they hold the Islanders back. Maybe they shut them down for a game. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying they're most likely due, even going back to the series against Montreal. I feel like this team is due for a game where they just completely dominate the opposition. So maybe that can happen in game six. And I think if there's a whole situation right now with Sean Couture, if he is out for game six, you know it's going to be the next guy up. You're going to have Claude Drew having to step up once again, even though he scored a goal. James Van Riemsdyk's definitely going to have to step up. Travis Konechny, he's still searching for his first goal, even though he got two points in last night's game. Maybe this is the game for Konechny to break out a little bit. Claude Drew, JVR, they did their thing. It's time for Konechny to do his thing now. I think he needs to find a way to break the ice and find a way to build his confidence. Getting two assists definitely helps, but I think he really needs to bat the puck into the net. M much like what Claude Giroux did. He got a redirection, and it went in the, and it went into the net. Something simple as that can get your goal scoring going right there. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Scott Lawton on the overtime goal. He got a nice deflection off of a Provorov point shot, and I feel like that's what the Flyers need to do a lot more. Get guys in front of Varlamov or Grice, whatever Barry Trotz starts, and find a way to redirect those pucks into the net because it's working. It's working a lot if you get those redirections. And I feel like the Flyers need to do that a lot more. So throughout this game, there might be a little bit of controversy involved as well. More on the side with the New York Islanders. So first period, it's nothing, nothing. The Flyers are more dominating the pace of play. The Flyers do get a power play, and Sean Gatori hits the post off of a nice zone entry with Claude Giroux. And it's like it was that close to going in. It just rang off the iron. Gatori just with a snake bit in this. Basically with the entire top six. So the Flyers are more controlling the pace of play. The Islanders aren't really getting that many dangerous chances. And you go into the period with a nothing-nothing tie and feeling good about yourself. But then 
you get the sloppy penalties at the end of the period where Derek Grant takes a very lazy tripping penalty. And the Islanders go into the power play going into the next period. And this is where controversy starts to set in. So the Flyers are doing a good job killing it off. But then the Islanders' top unit comes out. You got Eberle, Bailey, and Matthew Barzell. Bailey's the one taking it around the net. And then you get a little bit of a crash in front of the net with Tyler Pitlick and Matthew Barzell kind of taking Carter Hart out of the entire play regardless. Now, there's this whole situation with goaltender interference right there. Do I think it was goalie interference? No. But should the goal have been waved off? Yes, because there's a rule that states a player that is standing in the crease has to find a way to get out of it. He cannot stand there like a pylon, and that's what Matthew Barzell did because Matthew Barzell was now credited with this goal. And some assuming it went off his skate and it went into the net as well. So, yeah, Tyler Pitlick was in the crease as well, blocking Carter Hart, but Matt Barzell had plenty of room to get out of the crease, and he was just standing there holding on to Ivan Provorov's stick and the crossbar. Yeah. He wasn't doing anything to get out of that crease. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, score, and the refs, they, the Flyers decide to challenge this. They lose it, and they get a penalty off of it. Yeah. And, and to me, I think one thing off of that, too, was that the, the ruling of that, the official ruling, was that Pitlick had pushed them. And that was why they called, they called their goal, because Pitlick pushed him in the net. Even still, it's not goal interference, because obviously Provorov isn't helping either, because Carl Hart can't, I still can't get to his position if Provorov's there as well. So... Yes, Barzal didn't make any any uh, you know I guess he really didn't make any effort to move out of the crease. It wasn't goal interference, but I don't think it should have counted regardless. Um, he made no effort, and you know even still, and you know that that's that's one of those challenges where it just reminds you of just like game two too, because it's one of them things where it's like it's a challenge that you think you probably should win, but you don't. And I I, I thought they I mean I was like it was kind of obvious they had to challenge that. I mean, yeah. it's just one of them things where, like, okay, you've got to challenge this now. Yeah, it was pretty obvious. You have to take that risk because there's a whole crash in front of the damn net. You have to try to take that risk. And do I think it should have been overturned? Yes. Did I feel like it was going to be overturned? No, because it's the NHL and the review system is very flawed. Yeah. It is very, very flawed. And that comes also later in the period as well. When the Flyers could have scored a third goal, but the Flyers get pot two in before that. You had a nice zone entry by the first unit, and the first unit has been out there. They were pretty evident in today's game. They were getting a lot of chances, especially Claude Giroux. He had three shots in that first period. He was out there with a purpose, and he gets the goal right here when Sean Gatori wraps the puck around the boards, and you see Phil Myers blasting it from the point and redirects it by Claude Giroux. Goes under Varlamov. And it's a 1-1 tie, Claude Giroux's first goal of the playoffs. And then not that long after, you get a turnover in the neutral zone, which sends the third line out there. And you got a 3-on-1 with JVR, Konechny, and Lawton. And Lawton sets up JVR for a one-timer, and it goes behind Varlamov. And you get a 2-1 lead, and your top guys that needed to wear the big boy pants, like Vigneault said, they put the big boy pants on, and they scored their goals that they needed to, which was fantastic. But now here comes the... Possible other controversy that people are talking about. Now, do I think that this was a goal? It's very hard to tell because you got Kevin Hayes. He's coming around the right side. He's off the far angle. He puts it on net, and you don't know where the puck is. And then there's a whole scramble in front of there. And then when Varlamov comes out of the net, you see the puck fall out of his pad. So it got stuck inside of his pad, and the pad was inside of the net when that whole scrum was going down. And the ref took forever to blow the whistle. So they were looking at it, 
if you saw in the replay, you kind of saw the puck was on his skate as the as the skate was getting pushed into the net by Tyler Pitlick. So, do you think this was a goal? I'm not sure. I'm really weird. I'm weird founded by this because when I was watching this, I was like, that's got to be a goal because in hindsight, the puck's in his pad and the pad's in the net. Yeah, and that should be. I a think. Goal. I think the thing is, is that you can't push the pad in. Is why they didn't call this. And another thing is, there's no conclusive evidence that you see the puck in the net. So that's, that's the one thing that bothers me because yeah. I understand you need conclusive evidence, but like the ref doesn't blow the whistle and the goalie gets pushed into the net. I, honestly, I do feel like I can understand why they don't call it because he has the rule states you need conclusive see, evidence. But this kind of reminds me of those plays where like the puck's in the goalie's glove, but it's over the line and they call it a goal. Yeah, it, it's it's one of them things where it's like. Sometimes you can't see it, but it's in his glove, and you know it's over the line. But they and they still count it. It's it's just to me, it's weird. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think they got the right call on that because again, you have to have a conclusive evidence to see the puck, and you couldn't. But then again, I see where your point's coming from. Um, where you know they were able to, you know, push the puck into that, and you know, and it should have probably should have been a goal because of the way that you know there obviously no whistle blown and things like that. But, um, you know. To me, it, it's tough because it's just one of them things where, honestly, if he were to move, like, and it, you know what it reminded me of a lot of the of the play with when Mike Smith was on Phoenix and he, the puck was stuck in his pants. Yeah, and, and it's like one of them plays where like he doesn't want to move, but he knows like it's in the net. Obviously, he didn't know where it was at the time, but like it's one of them, it's like one of those things where he kind of, it's kind of like a head smacker kind of thing because it's like he moves back into the net when it's in his pants obviously he has no idea where it is but it's like it's one of those things where as you're a goalie you don't want to move so I think that's what Varlamov was doing and I honestly thought that it would have been honestly I, I honestly thought it was a goal because of the way how long the challenge was and I was thinking to myself like this might actually be a goal like like they might have a 3-1 lead here it it, it was close but Sadly, uh, it did not count. They went into the third period with a two to one lead, and hey, it didn't phase them at all. They come out in the third period, jump in, and you get a nice turnover in the uh, offensive zone. Travis Konecki bounces on the puck, gives it to Kevin Hayes, who then hands it over to a wide open Matt Niskanen, who just claps it past Varlamov, and the Flyers take a three one lead. So hey, Matt Niskanen gets on the board. The Flyers aren't phased by that non goal call, even though it's very close. Like, I do, I'm still on the face, like, I'm in between, but I do understand why they didn't call the goal. But, hey, 3-1 Flyers in the third period. And then now you're starting to say, okay, the Flyers, they need to find a way to close this down in regulation. And you're they're playing pretty good halfway through this period, but then you see the whole situation with, uh, there's, a, there's a whole situation in the offensive zone where Claude Drew is clearing a puck down to the deep end of the ice, and his stick kind of on the follow through hits Matt Barzell in the eye, and it's kind of ugh, it's very scary. It was a very scary situation. Thank God that stick was nowhere close. Was did not hit his eye at all. It was like literally under his right eye. You saw the cut there. He him bleeding, holding the rag on his face, and that kind of sparked the Islanders a little bit because they score not too long after this. So you got ba- Mayfield and Bailey bringing it into the zone. And then you get a one-timer from Brock Nelson that goes by Carter Hart. And this goal right here, I do believe Carter Hart needs to have this. Like, maybe there's an argument that maybe there was a stick in the way, maybe there was a body in the way, but I feel like Carter Hart needed to have this puck. You could not allow the Islanders to score right there because it sparked him right there. And, and then it's, I, and to be honest, I, I kind of felt like he was down so early on that too. 
I, I see that he too. was already in the butterfly before he shot that. So, so it, was, it was just like I, I don't know. I didn't really. It, it reminded me of the Peugeot goal. Yeah, because it was like it was a total snipe, and both of them were were two snipes, and it, I don't know. I feel like Hart was, and again, it's two goals you probably would want back, but he bounced back really well. He did, and especially in overtime, and then and that last goal by Derek Broussard, like we said earlier, it was just terrible coverage yeah. by the four flying in the bottom D pairing. You got Robert Haig standing by the crease, not seeing where Broussard is right behind him. And he taps it into the open net. You can also argue Carter Hart was trying to take away the pass two and not prepare for the one-timer. So maybe you can fault Carter Hart right there. But then you also got to stand, like, why is the four flying out there with the bottom pairing? That could also be the argument as well. So it's a little bit questionable right there. But the Flyers, they managed to go into the overtime. It's still tied. And then this overtime at the beginning was back and forth. Oh, my goodness. The Islanders are getting chances. You get Brock Nelson with a breakaway. He, Carter Hart with a very nice save. The Islanders got a couple of odd man rushes too. The Flyers, same thing as well. And there's just nothing going by either goaltender. They were prepared for this overtime. The Flyers do get a power play, and it looked terrible. The Flyers could not do anything on that power play. But, hey, it didn't phase them. And the Flyers, they get a first line another icing by the Islanders in overtime. So the key is to score in overtime, make the Islanders ice the puck because you get the first line out there. They get a nice setup going on right there. And then you get Claude Drew giving it over to Ivan Provorov, who's on the blue line, dancing a little bit. He fires the biscuit on net. Lawton with a beautiful redirection, a beautiful, and it goes in and the Flyers force a game six. So, hey, they blew the lead. We understand that. But you won the game. That's all that matters. You take it one day at a time. So you move on to game six, which is Thursday at 7 p.m. But the question mark right here, this is what happened in the second period. So Sean Gatori and Matt Barzell, they collided with each other. It looked like it was a sort of a leg-on-leg situation. I couldn't really tell if it was knee-on-knee. But then you saw Sean Gatori grimacing coming off of the ice. And then at the start of the third period, you heard Keith Jones saying that Sean Gatori is now in the bedroom. Like, oh, my God, what the hell happened? So... We're still waiting to find out the situation with Sean Couturier. Elaine Vigneault said he's still getting an MRI done. We'll fi- probably find out later today or possibly tomorrow. But I still think with the whole situation in the NHL and not revealing like what's specifically wrong with the players due to the whole agreement coming back with hockey. So maybe we won't find out. Maybe we will. Hopefully it's not anything too dangerous. Maybe it's not. And also credit, it's that same right leg that... He injured in the 2018 playoffs when Gudas hit him into the boards during one of the practices. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's nothing too bad, but it kind of scares me at the same time. Yeah, because it is the same day. Exactly. And it's just if Sean Gatori cannot play this game, even though if it's a minor injury, you're going to be seeing Gatori because he'll be playing with two broken legs if he has to. But it'll be the next man up. More people have to step up now. If Katori can't play, you put Drew at center on that first line. Maybe you try Scott Lawton back on the first line because they did click in the later end of that game. I, I have to think you keep that line together. Exactly. I, honestly, who else goes up there? Maybe you argue. Me, maybe me, it's Konechny if they if they change it. If it goes to Konechny, maybe you could try Fairby up there again because he's had some stints mm-hmm. on the first line. If anything, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to put a guy like Bunneman in too. And I if could Waffle that. could go, that could help. Yeah, that could definitely also help. I mean, the thing is, is I think if they don't have Coots for a while, which hopefully that's not the case, if it is, then they'll really just have to take it game by game and have to do adjustments on the fly and things like that, too. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely. I can't, I can't see them continuously doing a set lineup with a guy like Couturier out. Yeah, they just need... It's like we said, it's the next man up. People have to step up even more than they did in Game 5. So Claude Giroux, he has to step up even more, even though he was a beast in that game. JVR, same thing. I think this is a game where Travis Konechny to finally break the ice and get some confidence going in him. He got two points. He needs to find that way. So did hopefully the situation with Katori is not had, that bad. TK had two assists? Yeah, he did. I thought he had three. I think he had two points on the night. I could be wrong about that, but I think it's at least two. I knew he had two, which is definitely good. Don't get me wrong. I thought I just thought he had three because I know he had the Niskanen assist, had the assist on the, the secondary on the, uh, uh, the JVR goal, and then... Drew also, they Drew actually had three points. They gave him a, a secondary assist on the Provrov or the Lawton goal in overtime. Yeah. So he actually ended that game accredited with two, but he actually had three points, goal and two assists. So pretty good game for the captain there as well. Yeah, and, and you know, Drew haters are going to be hating that when he gets three oh, points exactly. on the night and he actually scores a goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. They're, they're definitely going to be hating him, even though they're probably still hating on him as we speak just because, oh, like, oh, he finally decided to score. Like, where oh. was that in the previous years? All that, the, all that baloney. Yeah. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. But, hey, he woke up. Maybe this is a spark for him and the rest of the team. And so now you're going into game six. Hopefully, Sean Couture is okay. But if it's not that case, the next player has to step up. So if we're looking around the league right now, we have one team that has advanced to the conference finals, and that is the Tampa Bay Lightning when they beat the Boston Bruins in double overtime of their game five, Victor Hedman with the overtime goal. So Tampa Bay, they're the only team that's going to the conference finals right now because we have games that are tonight. The one game, actually, it's the game six between the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars. Michael Hutchinson actually played pretty well for them in that game. I'm surprised because we were talking about this like before yeah. we found out. They were like, and now Bednar is saved <laughs> because if they <laughs> lost that game, the amount of the, the amount of crap he would have got for putting Hutchinson in, like if they got blown out or something, would have been insane. It would have been. it. So now Colorado, they have themselves a game six. Maybe Hutchinson plays the same way. And wasn't Ben Bishop in the net for Dallas that day too? And he got replaced by Kudobin again? Yeah. So, I, if, if I'm Dallas, I'd go right back to Kudobin. I, I definitely would too because he's been the more successful guy right there. So let's see what that game can ensue tonight. Does Dallas move on or does Colorado force a game seven? That'll definitely be very exciting. And the last game from yesterday, that was a, a pretty interesting game. So the Vancouver Canucks, they forced a game six. They win this game two to one. But Vegas dominated the entire game. But Thatcher Demko was the sole savior for the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver, they had like, what, six shots through the first two periods or something like that, and they managed they, to score two goals? They had ten through the first two. And, <laughs> and, and, the, and like Vegas had scored, and then they tied it right after. Yeah. And, and then and then Vancouver got a tip to start the, the start the period. It's just like, wow, like, for that entire game, Vegas dominated, like, and you don't end up winning the game. Like, I don't know if that's, like, a positive thing or is that, like, th- something to look on negatively because Thatcher Demko stole the game for Va- for Vancouver. My question is, is if Markstrom's able to play, do you put him back in? <sighs> that's tough. That's I tough. Don't, after I don't what, think you do. That's what, After what Demko did in this game, I don't think you go back to Markstrom. I think you ride with a hot goalie. Yeah. And I it's nothing against happen. Markstrom either. I mean, he's been really good as well, so that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't know, man. Like, 
I'm sure they're def they're definitely uh th like they are definitely comfortable uh with both goaltenders, I'm sure. They definitely so, are. Especially with that performance. So that that's the thing. It's like if anything, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they went back to Markstrom just because it's it's Markstrom that you're starting goaltender. Yeah. But if anything, um I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, it's tough because of the way that he played. Um, and the one goal was gorgeous, too. It was. It definitely was. So, oof. It, it's going to be a tough decision right there. But for tomorrow's games that are on tap for Thursday night. So, you got Flyers game six at 7 p.m. on NBC Sports Network. Hopefully, the Flyers can force a game seven right there. And then you got the 945 game, which is Vegas and Vancouver, their game six. And then you get the possible game six tonight, like I said, between the Avalanche and the Stars. Let's see if the uh, Colorado can force a game seven right there. So that'll be 8 p.m. tonight on NBC Sports Network. And that game seven, if they do go to game seven, that'll be on Friday. And we still have to wait to see what happens in tonight's game. So, Chris, do you, out of these three last series, do you think one of them at least is going to go to a game seven? I think the Flyers Islanders will. You think the Flyers Islanders will? Yeah, and that's, that's honestly not biased. Seriously, it's not. Just the way that the Flyers have been playing, I think it'll go to a Game 7. Mm. And and one thing is, is that the way that the Flyers have been playing and the way that the Islanders have been trending the last two games really helps out the Flyers, too. That does. Because, like we said, the Flyers have been finding a way to get a more consistent effort. They've been doing it the past few games. And the Islanders, like Barry Trott said, they haven't been playing a very solid game. They haven't been playing a full 60 minutes. And they credit, they are scoring on the chances that they get. But the Islanders haven't put a full 60 minutes in the past two games. So maybe that's trending in the right direction for the Flyers right there. So maybe game six will be more beneficial right there. So in other news around the NHL. So we have a trade news, actually. And this is between the Montreal Canadiens and the St. Louis Blues. So Montreal acquires goaltender Jake Allen and a seventh round pick in 2022 from the St. Louis Blues in return for Chicago's third round pick this year and Washington's seventh-round pick this year. So Montreal, they get a goaltender that can finally help out Carey Price, someone that can take the leave off of Carey Price for a little bit so Carey doesn't have to play like 65-plus, 70 games. You Now you have a Jake Allen in there, and now Carey can probably play like 55 to 65 games, and Jake Allen can take the rest of the load right there. So that's a good trade for Montreal right there. And for St. Louis, they're just trying to clear cap space at this point, maybe to sign, re-sign Petrangelo. Because I think that's the goal they're trying to get to right there. Because yeah. I think Allen was making, what, like over $4.3, $4.5 million on the cap. Yeah. So and, it, and one thing is, too, is like, is it, like, I think it's a, I think it's weird for the Blues. Like, why would you go to get rid of Allen when you could have probably got rid of one of your forwards in the bottom six? A guy, like, a guy like Bozak, I think, has a similar contract. Like, to me, it just seems like, I don't know, I mean, I, I think... I mean, like, it, it's probably not a bad move, but the thing is, like, who's who? What what other goalie can they bring up? I have no idea, unless they the go is, to maybe they go to the free agent market and sign just sign like a guy that's going to be a backup for cheap. Holpe. Oh, oh yeah, that's your cheap backup right there. <laughs> oh boy, like I don't, I, I'm not like the goaltending market this year is definitely going to be something, mm. but like especially the free agent class as well. But maybe. And maybe it's funny speaking of that too. That guy? Who knows? Maybe. Um, it's funny. I actually saw something on that, and it was the TSN trade bait list, and JVR was at number two, and God Ghost was at six. 
Yeah, I, which like, is weird. And and Line A and uh, Ehlers have been talked about. Maybe the Flyers look at a goal scorer. Yeah, I honestly what, think that might be the biggest thing that they should honestly go for. Yeah, that's honestly, what I've been talking about. I don't think they too. have to do much. I really don't. If if they were to do something, I think it would probably have to be you try to package one of those guys for a goal scorer, and then the other one probably gets taken by Seattle, is my guess. Maybe. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Flyers tried for, you know, somebody like, I don't know, maybe Ehlers. I wouldn't mind a guy like Josh Anderson. I was talking about this with Yareev from Flyers and Gritty. He he had mentioned Anderson. Um, I also mentioned a guy like Eric Halla, who I think wouldn't be bad either if they were to try to make a trade for something. Um, and there's also a couple other guys that they could go for uh, in free agency as well uh, coming up. And I, I know I, I had made a vid- YouTube video about this, and I can't remember who the guys that I said, and it's that's really aggravating me right now. But anyways, um, you know, it, it's – to be honest, it's going to be an interesting offseason for the Flyers because I think there's a lot of things they can do. Um, I don't know, man. I think there's a lot of things that they can do. I wouldn't be surprised. I think the one guy that has deserved a contract the most is Pitlick. Yes. I think Pitlick really has deserved a contract. And honestly, all the other guys, you know, obviously I think Hag will get re-signed. Um, as for Braun, I don't think the Flyers are going to sign Braun again. Um I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's let go. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is there anything you think off that? Uh, I I can see the same thing. Braun, he does make a lot a good amount of money on the cap, even though he has a year left. I'm not sure the Flyers are going to want to re-sign him because you know they still got a lot of young defensemen up in the pipeline that can possibly make the team as well. You got Mark Friedman, you got Yeager Zamula, all those guys you got to possibly also, make. York in a year or two. Yeah, same thing. And then if you're looking at the forward core. Like, out of those guys that are going to be free agents, I the only person I do see staying is a Tyler Pitt. Like, I don't see Grant staying because he's definitely going to want some type of a pay raise. Nate Thompson, I it, it was I nice for so. this year, but I don't think they're going to re-sign him at all. Yeah. So, it's it's going to be a tough situation, but, hey, that's a conversation for another day because you know why? We have a game six. We have yeah. a game six, this team right now, and it's going to be very fun. So, other news that's around the NHL, there's two more – there's a coach hirings and a GM hiring. So we're start with the coach hiring right here. So the Pittsburgh Penguins, after they fired their assistant coaches right there, they have hired former Washington Capitals head coach, who was just fired this offseason as well, Todd Reardon, as an assistant. And they called up from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, Mike Vellucci. And both of those guys will help Mike Sullivan in the assistant coach core right there. Reardon's going to help with the defensive core and the power play. And Bellucci's going to help with the penalty kill and oversee the forwards. So uh, Pittsburgh right there, shaping up the coaching staff right there. It's it's kind of awkward seeing Todd Reardon, who was with the Capitals for so long, go right to the enemy territory of Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, he also was with the Penguins right before, too. Yeah. It's, it's very awkward right there, though. <laughs> Just because he's like, okay, I'm on Pittsburgh this time. I'm on Washington, which is a rival. Now I'm going back to the other rival. It's it's kind of awkward territory, but hey, Pittsburgh, they're they're still trying to see their competition right there. They got Kapanen in the offseason once again, trading a first round pick. So eh, Pittsburgh, they're trying. They're they're trying to remain in contention. So we'll see what happens with those coaches right there. And so for the GM hiring right here, this is from the Florida Panthers. So after their previous GM was relieved of his duties this offseason, Florida was looking for another general manager. So they hired. Former assistant from the Columbus Blue Jackets, they hire Bill Zito. And 
I'm not really too sure of the track record besides he was the assistant with Columbus, but as I look at this guy's picture, he looks like a maniac. He looks very <laughs> crazy. Because if you look on Florida Panthers like Twitter. Picture. It looks like that picture of the one episode we did with Jonas Gustafson. <laughs> and how, and how one, I think, it was, yeah, it was me. I was literally crying laughing because of how funny that was. It's like, this guy looks like he's taking a mugshot right here. He, he just looks like a maniac. But Florida, they needed a new GM. They're, I'm not sure if they're, I doubt they're going to clean house since they just hired Joel Quinville and they signed Bobrovsky to that ridiculous contract. But hey, who knows, maybe they bring this guy in here to shape up the rest of the core, build up that defense even better so they can compete. And maybe that's a good sign right there for Florida, but we just know, we just don't know at this point. So those are your coach hirings and GM hirings right there in the NHL right now. So we got game six on Thursday. It's going to be big right there. Like we said, the Flyers need to take this one game at a time. And Chris, like you said, out of all the series that we think could go to a game seven, you still think the Flyers and Islanders can are the only series that might force a game seven. Well, 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 not the only series. I think, if anything, I wouldn't be surprised if probably Dallas, Colorado. I think that could go to a game seven. That's tonight at eight o'clock. That that's been a good series. Um, I could see that really going to a game seven. I could. Mm, very, very interesting. Hey, it's it's playoff hockey. It's fun to watch. And if you're a Flyers fan. It's a roller coaster. It's very stressful. It's exciting and also stressful. Whew. It's a it's a fun ride. It's a fun ride in the playoffs. Your heart beats rapidly, and you either get mad or you get very happy or both. That's just the life of a Flyers fan right there. But, hey, we got game six, one game at a time. Players need to step up. Hopefully, Sean Gattori is good to go. If not, it's the next man up. And like Elaine Vigneault said, these guys got to strap on the big boy pants. They did it in Game 5. They got to continue to tie up those pants a little bit tighter to make sure they stay on. So we will be back here at the Florida Podcast to recap that Game 6 tomorrow night. So it's going to be hopefully the Flyers force a Game 7. If not, the Flyers will be on the golf course. But, hey, we'll find that out after tomorrow night's game. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Florida Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on our social media pages at Florida Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. So thank you for listening. I'm your host, Amadeo Gracia. He is Chris Mayer, and we will be back to recap Game 6. So thank you for listening, everyone.